and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about collecting. Collecting games, collecting all the stuff for a game, collecting RPG books we'll never play, and other non-gaming collecting like Lego, figurines, coins, stamps, playbills, dolls, Pokemon. You get the idea. Why do we collect things? How does being able to collect them all drive the need to have them all? Is a completionist just another name for someone with a shopping problem? So much to talk about. But before we do, I thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wetworth, and The Gift of Games in Grace Lake, Illinois. Find them at thegiftofgames.com. Also, here's thank you to all of our other patrons. Um, all right, so today's pre-show Zoom, if you join us at tabletopgametalk.com slash live, uh, 8.30 Monday nights, you could have heard us talk about Bluey and ice cream trucks. Mostly Bluey. A little bit about ice cream trucks. Chris, we want people to show up. Oh. We're not trying to keep people away. <laughs> No, Bluey, season three just came out on Disney. If you don't have kids, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. If you do have kids, regardless of their age, still go watch it. And if you don't have kids, still go watch it. They're little eight-minute cartoons that are just about life of kids and such, and it's amazing. (sighs) Maybe episode 300 will be Bluey, all about Bluey. Reviewing (laughs) all 129 episodes that have been released in the U.S. I did that math off the top of my head, so I think it's about right. Um, Let's see. You can also join us on Discord. There's a Discord invite link in our show notes. Uh, You can also join us on BGA. There's also a link in the show notes. But you'll have to uh, kind of message me or Getty19 directly, and we'll give you an invite to the BGA group. Um, So those are the top of the show things. We have all kinds of things to talk about. We're going to talk about TGTCon at the end probably um yeah i'll say the end because i want to get to talking about collecting earlier than later but um but first i have an apology to emmy who is another one of my nieces who i talked about post credits last week we talked about um evie and aiden and apparently emmy is the one who told them about the podcast so if i don't talk about that right now i'm going to get in trouble so you guys have to listen to that for 60 seconds because there are three little girls that are that was very important for. And that's the kind of person I am. So what did you guys do this weekend? My kids got hand, foot, and mouth disease. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds worse than it is. Yeah, it's um, a super common childhood illness, which is characterized by a rash around your hands, feet, and mouth. Uh, because you stick your hands and your feet in your mouth? Basically. I don't know why. Um, it's just like a viral um, thing, and it that's the associated rash. But um, yeah, it's not fun, but also not that bad. But just means we did nothing this weekend because so like once the one kid gets the rash, once you see the rash, they're like not contagious anymore. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, But then that means your other kid is probably about to get it. And when they're about to get it is when they're like most likely to spread it to everyone else. So we were like, okay, we're just going to not go anywhere. So, yeah. Nice. Let's not touch our children. Yep. <laughs> just wash your hands thoroughly after you touch yeah. your children <laughs> those big elbow high yellow gloves you put on it's, it's all good it's fine <laughs> no it's kind of funny because if you take your kids to daycare it is basically they're going to get it at some point oh, um yeah. and it sounds scary because there's d- the term disease at the end of it but you talk to the pediatrician it's like yeah it's a rash it's fine most kids don't even yeah. realize it. Most kids aren't even bothered by it, but sometimes it can get itchy and irritating. Yeah, my kid couldn't sleep because his feet were super itchy. Yeah, but it's interesting. I'm, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. That's one of the things. So we're thinking about sending the kids back to daycare, and mm-hmm. they've been so healthy the past seven <laughs> months. And I'm like, yeah, <sighs> but soon you're going to have to start sending your kid to school. And yep. you'll learn that school is no better than daycare for giving your kid all the illnesses. Yeah, they're going to get sick at some point. So might as well socialize them when they're young. Yeah. But yeah. Zachary's decided that he doesn't want to walk anymore because his legs are too tired. I'm like, all you do is sit in the house. You're, you're going to school. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you haven't gingerbread manned him? It's it's pretty bad. Well, he will. He'll run around in the halls, but that's his extent. If we're outside, he's like, no, I just want to ride in the wagon. <sighs> so 
I pushed him downtown. Kids these days. It it is. (laughs) I'm like, let's take a walk downtown. It's about a mile away. And he's like, okay, but I'm just going to be in the wagon, okay? I'm like, all right, but you're going to walk a little bit on the way back. He's like, no, No. I'm just going to be in the wagon. (laughs) I'm going to call that bluff. Yep. So I'm like, all right, fine. Although he's getting really good at video games, so I don't know if I'm doing parenting right. He's having a good time, I think, but... My child is now addicted to video games and a couch potato at three and a half. Although he's very healthy. He, he barely eats anything. So he's still, you know, he's he's still healthy in that regard. <laughs> it, That's a plus. Is three right? and a half too young for like a, a tricycle or like a, a small bike with like, um, you know, training wheels? He can do a push. He can do push bikes. Um, he can pedal a little bit. I need to get him a good, like a tricycle is actually kind of hard to pedal because there's no assist to it. So if you get the, the big wheel. What about wand. big wheel? Yeah. Yeah. The big wheel. Big yeah. wheel is easy for his age. Yeah. I think that's what I need to do. It's just, I need to get them both big wheels and then they can just chase each other around in the park, in the driveway. So, um, so yeah, there was that. And then I crashed a wedding this weekend. So that was fun. Um, you crashed a wedding. It was, it was an, it, sort of a crash. So, um, I'm, I met up with a, a group of people from Isobar, I think I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the people I met yes. there was getting married, and I joked about crashing her wedding, and she's like, no, 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 you definitely should. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then, I know who you're talking about. Sam, right? Sam, yeah. Yeah. And then I got a, a message um, last Monday night. Um, actually, I think just after we got done recording, or maybe it was Tuesday morning or something. But um, it's like, hey, there is a seat for you. So if you still want to go, I'm like, well, now I have to crash it. So that's what I did. It was nice, though. Is that the uh, uh, conservatory downtown Chicago type of thing? So uh, but Garfield yeah, or fun. Lincoln nice. Park? Garfield. Ah, that's a nice one. Yep. Oh, yeah, the Garfield Conservatory? Yeah, that's nice. Yep. So we were, like, the reception, well, the wedding was in the back among the plants, and the reception was inside in one of the greenhouses among the plants, and it was it was quite nice. So, but it was a long, long, long weekend, and it's been a long, long, long Monday. Um, work. That's my only excuse for everything right now, is work. I got down to one game on BGA. Like, I was down to just a game of Railroad <laughs> Inc., and, and I'm like... <sighs> okay, well, then I started two more today. So there's, I had to start a couple of the new games I haven't played in a while. So I'm back up to a couple, but not up to my normal dozen or so. It'll happen this week, I think. So yeah, um, Fletcher, what did you do? Did you get hand, foot, and mouth? No, I didn't. Uh, I had food in mouth disease. Um, <laughs> food in I mouth disease. I just food in my mouth. <laughs> um, what did I do? Um, yesterday, I... Went out to eat at a new place. It was pretty good. And on Saturday, I don't know. Probably nothing interesting. Went for a <laughs> run. Uh, but we have our inspection on the 18th for my new place. So I know looking you're looking forward I'm, to that. I'm looking forward to you moving in too, so I can finally return your cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll invite you over and you can just leave it. Yep. I I, I put it in the car. So it's going to just be in the car for like two months. And when we come over, I'm going to leave it in the car and drive back with it. I'm, I'm calling it now. You're never going to see yep. this cup again. I'm no, I'll probably never see it again. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk hey, Chris, about. Just go on Amazon. <laughs> drop ship a cup to Fletcher and the cup is yours. Please. <sighs> I don't want to hear about this cup again. <laughs> it's a very sentimental cup. You though. are so. <laughs> All right. You guys are weird, but sure. It's not. Hey, I I did some research for this episode, and I didn't tell you guys what we were doing because work was crazy, and I forgot to text you. Um, not that you guys <laughs> usually care anyway. You read my text, and you're like, oh, whatever. Um, but I do the homework sometimes. Sometimes. But this one, I did a little bit of. You give us like five hours. You're like, hey, uh, can you read like the six-page manual before? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> It's not. It's usually not that bad. It's it's usually like watch this ten minute YouTube video. It's usually what it is. Uh, but I had other YouTube videos that I wanted to <laughs> yeah. watch. Fine. But um, and I feel like we might have done an episode close to this one in the past. I did not look it up and try because I didn't care. I wanted to talk about this regardless. So I think we have. Yeah, I mean, I I had an experience at Gen Con two weeks ago. 
An which, experience. Which was Ooh. fine. I, I mentioned it. It was getting the, the Juggernaut pro- promo for Marvel United. But then later on Discord, uh, someone mentioned, oh, man, I missed the Juggernaut promo and the Grey Hulk promo. And then I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. So apparently there was another promo that wasn't at Gen Con. It was at San Diego Comic-Con. And I couldn't get to San Diego Comic-Con because it was in San Diego. And I didn't realize this was there. Otherwise, I would have actually considered it. But <laughs> I was going to say, you would have At least you would have told yourself. At least you would have told yourself, I can't do this I, one. Yeah. I'll do the other one. Yeah. So so instead, I went to eBay and got it off of eBay and told myself, well, at least it's cheaper than an airline ticket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's cheaper than actually going. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was my justification. And it, you know, just got me thinking about, you know, this whole collecting thing in general. And I've gone through life thinking that everybody collects stuff. But I've realized by doing research that that is not actually true. <laughs> by doing research. I mean, how do you know, right? And then I can just like look around and Sydney doesn't collect anything. Like she has a very hard time applying sentimental attachment to anything at all. So I'm like, okay, here's an example of someone who doesn't collect anything, uh, which is not 100% true. There's one thing she does collect that I think she started because of me, um, but we'll get to that in a second. No, not even kids. She doesn't collect those either. Uh, Christopher asked. <laughs> Collecting kids. <laughs> Only because you won't let now. her. <laughs> she wrangles the kids. That's not really collecting. But um, so, yeah, so I'm wondering, before I go into the Wikipedia excerpt that I, I pulled from Wikipedia, because that was where I got most of my research. Some real uh, official research. I'm just saying. It's, my hey, high somebody, school English teacher would be so proud right now. You know something? I think modern teachers are like, Wikipedias can be a source as long as it's not your only source, and you should probably check the sources of the source so you can... But I don't know. I think you can officially cite Wikipedia these days. Uh, maybe I don't know. It's Depends always like on what your topic yeah. is. Yeah, when There's I was in college, it was like you source. can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't use Wikipedia as a source. But if it's a good Wikipedia article, they have sources. Exactly, and you can use those sources. Yeah, exactly. Christopher says his his son is not allowed allowed to use Wikipedia, but I I agree with Fletcher. If you have a list of sources and you can use those as sources, then you still win. Um, but you should go. Check those sources and read them. Yes. Not you can just... use those sources as the reference. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So you don't source Wikipedia, you source Wikipedia's sources. How we got off that tangent. Anyway, oh yes, research, Wikipedia. Um, I did not source the sources. I'm just telling you my sources, Wikipedia. So You get an F. Kitty, I think <laughs> I know the answer to this, but my answer but I think it's a stale answer. Today, as of today, is there anything that you can say that you actively collect? Yes. I don't know. Eh, sort of? I don't know. Well, all right. Elaborate. Um, we'll let you crafting know. Crafting supplies. I don't you think collect so. collect crafting supplies? Courtney is nodding. Courtney gets me. She knows. You can see her pile of vinyl displayed on the <laughs> wall behind her. <laughs> so, I, all right. So, I don't necessarily completely discount collecting supplies. I think that's just more well we'll talk about collecting versus hoarding and how it's all on a spectrum and i'm not yes. calling it hoarding <laughs> um no but it might be a more fair <laughs> characterization of what i do because it's not so i choose not to collect things that have a specific set of items that make up the collection i don't right. want to okay. have to yeah. check all the boxes so i collect Stuff that makes me happy, but it's not necessary. But like, you know, um, I collect antique uh, glassware, like um, depression glass. I okay. have certain patterns that I will collect, but I, I'm not necessarily a completionist about it. I just, you know, it's something to when I go antiquing with other people, like, oh, I like to keep an eye out for this kind of thing. Um, those things... My mom has sucked me into some of her collections of antique pottery, which I don't have any examples of in this room, of course. But so I would call those collections. I would call like like say you you knit and you have yarn. I would say that you have a yarn collection 
if you actually are going out, like seeking out different types of yarn, oh, I want this metallic rainbow yarn, and I'm going to, I need one of these, and I need that, and I'm on the yarn website there saying, okay, what the new ones are coming out. All right. So, so there's like, um, if you're really into yarn, there's like indie dyers who put out specific collections that are limited release type things. And if you're going for that kind of stuff, then it does feel more like the kind of collecting that you do with games and other things like that, where like, oh, I have to be online this day for this drop to get this kind of stuff. And there's other fashion and things like that, that have this kind of exclusivity sort of model to the collecting aspect of it. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that the only like little mm, disqualifier for me is it's a consumable. So I collect beer, all kinds of rare beer, and then I drink it. Am I really collecting the beer? So Um, people collect beer. People have wine collections. Yes. But the thing is when you have a wine collection, they tend to not consume it as fast as they collect it. Unlike Mm -hmm. beer. That's, that's true. People do have I mean, beer bottle collections of yes. beers they have consumed and then kept the bottle. So you can display, like, look how many different beers I have tried. Yep. And bottle cap co- collections and stuff like that. Like, those to me seem collectible. But when you're, like, collecting yarn, now, if you're using the yarn, you're just displaying it on a display wall, then that's a collection. If you're saying, now I have all this yarn, I can make things with it, then you have a supply but I guess again, you could. It's like a wine collection. A it could be in the middle. A little <laughs> column, column B. B. Yeah. It's a spectrum. It's um, a, a lot of people who are crafters are collectors of crafting materials because it's just a lot of things. It's like, well, I want to be able to make something with this whenever I want to. I don't have to go out and buy it later. And you end up with a stash is what most people yep. my crafting stash of either fabric or yarn or vinyl or whatever it is. And it it does become like there are two separate hobbies and it is the, the making things with the stuff and the, the buying the stuff. So oh, John actually mentioned a good uh, interesting thing. So if you have like the on tap app, if we go back to the beer analogy, um, hi, Emmy, <laughs> um, if you are like tracking achievements, right, you're going out and seeking out these different beers. And then once you found it, you mark it off. So it's like a virtual collection. It's, it's like an achievement, which is a type of collecting, too. So that said, Fletcher, same question. Are you actively today collecting anything? Um, Maybe. So there, I was thinking I had a long time to think about this. Well, um, <laughs> Kitty was explaining stuff. So I can think of like three things, maybe. One definitely and two maybes. Um, So one thing is like, I like to collect knives. Okay. But it's not part of like any set, right? If I find a unique knife or I buy a unique knife, like I'll add it to my collection of like, you know, these are pocket knives that um, I like to... Most keep and hold on. Most to. collections are not completable. Just just for the record, yeah. most things you can't catch them all. It, it's impossible. <laughs> so I think if you have a collection of pocket knives, you are collecting pocket knives. That yes, yes. But is it active? Like I don't, I have, I don't think I've added to my collection in like a few years. But it's always like there in the back of my head. And you have um, it. And if you f- came across one that was really cool, you would pick up another one. Yes. Okay. Uh, um. So that's one thing. Another thing is also like a, a passive kind of collection is like Apple memorabilia stuff. Okay. So like all the st- all the stickers that I get from um when you buy an Apple product, it'll come with stickers. Like I keep all those stickers. I have them going back since the rainbow logo. Um other kind of like weird memorabilia. They actually at one time they created an Apple little pocket knife. So it was a pocket knife with an Apple logo on it. And I was crossover. like, crossover. Totally buy that. crossover. <laughs> yeah. That was perfect. Um, so, like little Apple memorabilia, um, like Apple shirts when I worked at Apple and patches and things like that. Like I, I hold on to all that stuff. Um, but again, that's more of like a passive thing. I'm not going on eBay like looking for those famous Apple sneakers that they made one time. Um, and then, lastly, the only like quote unquote active collection is when you said beer. I do buy the Trader Joe's beer every year. Um, Cause you can actually sell her that. So I have 
the Trader Joe's beer going back for a few years. And I usually buy like six or eight bottles um, a season because it's their holiday beer that they only release during like the holiday. All right. I like that. And so when are we do, is it like a wine collection where you just, nope, this just ages and we have to wait till a special occasion before we can open it? Well, so that's what I was doing. And then I was reading online that it was like, yeah, so you can cellar it for like a few years, but like after like four or five years, you should probably like drink it because <laughs> it's not really going to get any better. And I had, I had ones going back from like 2012, like, oh man, this is my, my beer from 2012. And I opened it up and I was like, yeah, this is not so great anymore. It's like overly spiced. Yeah. Um, so I should drink them within like three or four years of, of, of buying them. Well, I hear you have a housewarming coming up, so I can help you with that. Yes. But you um, won't appreciate y- them. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody knows that I do collect a few things. Um, just, you know, a few things. I used to collect comics. I, I used to be like, and this is almost a confession, I feel like, after six years of a podcast, I don't collect as many board games as I used to. I used to just like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's a board game. I will buy anything and everything. I have, I think I might be net negative for the year as far as the size of my collection. It's getting actually smaller. And part of that is I ran out of space. But part of it is (laughs) I... You bought a whole new house. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I bought a house to store my board games and now I'm like, oh, where am I going to put my kids? Um... It's it's a problem. <laughs> so, uh, but part of it is also I've been focusing on a set of games that has become my so I collect within that collection. So Marvel United is is that one, right? And it's not actually hard to collect all of that. You just spend an exorbitant amount of money on their two kickstarters, except when they start putting out these promos where you're like, I don't I have 137 different characters. Why do I need two more sets of cards? That don't even come with a miniature. Why do I need that? Because uh, apparently I am in... Because you can have them all. Yes, I'm on a spectrum. Um, that's that's basically what I've I found out. So, my Wikipedia excerpt. Um, Kitty, I would like you to read this because I don't think you have yet. And I just want to g- take this one sentence at a time and we're going to talk about this. I skimmed it. Mm-hmm. The psychology of collecting is an area of study that seeks to understand the motivating factors explaining why people devote time, money, and energy making and maintaining collections. So this, if you go to this Wikipedia article, um, it's not very long. And it it does have a lot of references, but itself is not very good. Um, But I I find that interesting. Time, money, and energy. Um, Yeah. Okay. So keep going. Sorry, I thought I silenced my watch, but I hadn't. And that was the second time it yelled at me. I closed my movement circle, though. So there's that. While sitting, recording a podcast. Good job. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I do talk with my hands. What can I say? Anyway, there exists a variety of theories for why collecting behavior occurs, including consumerism, materialism, neurobiology, and psychoanalytic theory. So this makes collecting seem very, very negative to me. Why? Like, because, I mean, like, this is, it's, why does this behavior include, well, consumerism, probably that's, you know, or materialism, or there's just something neurologically wrong with you, or there's something psychologically wrong with you. N- neurobiology and psychoanalytic, to me, do not in themselves say that it is a disordered way of thinking. It's just how we describe why we do what we do. It doesn't say anything adverse about that. Although, you know, collecting behavior in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. However, anything taken to an extreme can become, you know, a disordered way of thinking. And I don't know. Well, the next sentence... To me, I think you're looking for the (laughs) negative in this. I'll continue reading, though. The psychology of collecting also offers insight into variance between similar behaviors that can be recognized on a continuum between being beneficial as a hobby and also capable of being a mental disorder. So yes, we use these ways to describe how this kind of thinking can either be helpful or disordered, depending on what extreme you take (laughs) it to and perhaps what you've chosen to collect. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Am I still reading here? Yep. Last sentence. The large diversity of different types of collected objects and the variance of collecting behaviors across these types has also been subject to research in psychology, marketing, and game design. 
Yep. So I found that funny that, you know, game design was the last piece. But marketing, so this this feeling of collecting and wanting to achieve things. Um, there's actually some good research that I, I noted further down that I'll I'll talk about, but we see this in video games a lot. Like the whole achievement system, right? You're collecting these achievements, you're collecting these stars, you're collecting these points. Um, and that's why I think I've been so in the gaming industry for so long. We actually refer to when that collection stuff comes outside of the gaming industry in marketing, we call it gamification, mm-hmm. right? That's the marketing. Like Pokemon is a marketing tool. Gotta catch them all is a marketing slogan. And it caters to that, hey, you can do this. You just have to keep playing this or giving us that or you know, keep engaging. And you see that all the time in marketing all over the place. We were before the show started, we were talking about Happy Meals at McDonald's and the Happy Meal toys. And there are people who collect Happy Meal toys. And some of those can become very valuable, especially if nobody realized, you know, they were collectible at the time. That's sort of a key thing, too, is in order for something to be collectible to the masses, it has to be scarce. And to the masses, it's still a small percentage of the actual population. But you need some scarcity to it. You can't just say this is collectible and make it collectible. That just doesn't work. Um, That's why Beanie Babies are worthless. That is why Beanie Babies are worthless. (laughs) Actually, Beanie Babies is a good example of like one of those fad crazes where everybody seemed to be in it. Um, You know, similar to cryptocurrency, which you can also collect, I guess. Tulip bulbs. (laughs) And tulip bulbs. (laughs) You want to go way back. So this is a blur, an interesting fact I found, um, which is collecting is known to be a common behavior, with one estimate suggesting that about 40% of U.S. state households engage in some form of collecting behavior, with another store suggesting global estimate closer to 30%, um, assuming low variance between countries. So I find this interesting, because first of all, why is it households and not people? But second of a few other places I found, um, it's somewhere in that range of about a third of the people on the planet collect things. So what do the other two thirds do with all their money, time, and energy? (laughs) I don't know. I think it all depends on like where you draw the line of like collecting or not. Because I'm having a very hard time thinking of someone I know. And maybe I just, you know, am in this circle of people that is like this. But uh, I can't think of anyone that doesn't have some sort of collection. That they maintain. Miles is actually trying to answer my question with like rational things like, you know, hang out with your family, (laughs) go outside, (sighs) enjoy the world, whatever. (laughs) Michael's new car. Michael's response is is better, but it's not um, age appropriate for the podcast. Um, (laughs) So I, I also found it interesting that collecting and hoarding are on the same. They're the spectrum, right? There's. There's not a fine line. There's a long gradient between someone who collects something and someone who is a hoarder. Um, typically, so I collect, I've always collected. My entire life, I've always collected. I, I, it's hard to name something I haven't tried collecting at some point or another. But typically, I get bored with the collection. And then once I'm bored with it, it's over. And one of the things I found super interesting, this was a different article done by a researcher like a PhD psychologist, psychologist, well, whatever, researcher in that area, who's also a collector. <laughs> and this is how, I, hey, I'm not sourcing Wikipedia. I sourced Wikipedia, and I'm going to just source Google. Google collecting, and you'll find all kinds of weird stuff. Um, but I found this to be super interesting and super real, and maybe once you know, it, it helps. But um, collectors... The, the reason some people collect because is, is because there's a reinforcement to collect, um, which involves anticipation. It's the basically, it's not having the collection that makes someone feel good. It's the anticipation of getting the next thing in the collection or completing the collection that feels good. 
And But once the prize is obtained, and this is quoting from her, once the prize is obtained, the pleasure centers quiets. In other words, the anticipation of the reward is more exciting to our pleasure centers than possessing it. That explains in part why collecting frequently transcends, transcends a mere pastime and often becomes a passion. It gives sufficient pleasure that the participant wants to continue it more and more vigorously. And, and I would... Uh- I would add that there's probably also pain in there when you don't, when you can't complete that collection. Not only like it's more than pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's the type of thing I've actually, once I know that I'm not able to complete a collection of something that I feel like I, sh- like I know there's a finite number of items out there. Like I said, you can't collect all the coins in the world, all the stamps in the world or all the pocket knives in the world. Right. But you can collect all of the promos to Marvel United. And if there was ever a case where I'm like, oh, there's this one that I will never get, I would just be like, okay. And I would literally put the entire game away and be like, I'm done with this. I can't look at it. (laughs) Because if I look at it, I know it's not complete. And there's like this void that's just not there. I also know that once I got Grey Hulk, I'm like, great, I have Grey Hulk. Okay, now I have Grey Hulk. It, It feels very different after you get it than the anticipation of getting it. And I'm like... Uh, you probably get that like uh, that big burst when she's like like i've completed my collection like yes okay now what (laughs) and i've actually company is gonna release new promos and announce the new thing and keep your interest and they have to space those things out just right so that they keep you interested in their game they'll keep you strung along and paying attention to it you haven't gotten rid of your old stuff and then they'll release their new Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. And I'll back it 100%. And as long as they keep that path rolling, they'll keep everybody who's interested in it, all the Chris's of the world, well, strung along by And I actually, things. I've actually taken this a step further, not for good. Um, please don't <laughs> take this not. advice. So I'll have a complete collection. And then I'll feel this kind of lull. Like, okay, well, I have everything. Now what? And I'll start collecting it again. Like, I'm like, okay, now I want another set. And I'll start trying to get another set of the thing I already have a full set of. Just to have a backup. This isn't this isn't a, a set that I put on display. This is a set I lock in the basement in the back room in case one of my display items gets broken. Which at that point, if that happened, I'd have to go get another, another set. Because I can't just take one thing from the backup set because that would be an incomplete set. Yes, I have a problem. I realize this. But on a lighter note, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I, I did know some things that I think a lot of gamers do collect. And I, I don't think I'm that, like, I don't know if there's a crossover in the gaming community and the collector community. Like, it feels like there would be a kind of a decent overlap. I mean, I think that a lot of people who collect games probably also collect other things because it seems to me that people who collect things, like, that's kind of like part of how they enjoy having a hobby is they don't just, and and they don't just have the one. It's very rare for me to find someone who has, oh, like, this is my one thing that I collect. Like, Fletcher just named three you have a whole bunch i have you know it all depends on like where you draw the line but you know it's no one just collects one thing yeah i think once you once you know what it is to collect you get that you know uh, john mentioned it dopamine rush basically and then it's like okay this is cool so like fletcher you don't actively need this all the time but when you see something new you still get that kind of that rush like oh this is a cool Apple sticker. This is a cool pocket knife. Um, this is a cool knife, right? So for that moment that you see it, you do have that that rush of oh, yes. you know, this is something that would be cool to add to my stuff I own. Yeah, but I typically don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about video games? So you play more video games than I do. Are you a completionist there? Are you like an achievement hunter? Are you? I need all the seeds in Breath of the Wild. Or are you just like, no, I beat it, I'm good? Yeah, I'm I'm barely um I beat the game kind of person. <laughs> I get my enjoyment out of just like playing it and then after a while I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done with this game. That's funny because even so. like I was playing Legends of Runeterra a lot 
oh, like almost a year straight. And I stopped playing a couple months ago because I had, I had collected all the cards. I just earned all the cards while playing. And then once I was done, I'm like, oh, I, I don't get anything for playing anymore. Okay. And I just turned the game off. Like the game was boring to me at that point. <laughs> like, like I enjoyed the game, but the only reason I was playing was because there was this thing I could earn for playing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm good. I think that might have to something to do with the fact of like losing interest in a lot of things is once I know it, once it's completed, I'm like, okay, I need to move on to the next thing. Again, I realize I'm on a spectrum, not, not a good spectrum. Um, not a good <laughs> spectrum. I don't think the spectrum itself is bad. Just maybe the spot where you land. This is true. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am attempting to to all of me. (laughs) Exactly. I'm attempting to um, narrow in. So every once in a while, um, every few years, basically, I go through this short-lived phase where I'm like, I need to simplify the amount of stuff I have, and I need to like get rid of this stuff. So I am attempting to do that now, and I'm noticing like things that I have, like I have just a pile of convention badges. So all the different conventions I've gone to, whether they're gaming conventions or work conventions or video game conventions or whatever, I have them like tons of them. I have a state quarter collection. Who didn't collect state quarters when, I mean, Miles probably didn't because he's in Australia, but. um, (laughs) (laughs) I would also say normal humans did not collect state quarters. Really? I was like, that was the whole purpose of them was to get all the quarters out of circulation, I think, right? Because people were just collecting I mean, it, them. It certainly worked on my mother, who falls into the same corner of the spectrum that you do. Um, and I, I have I honestly, <laughs> you know, growing up with somebody in your household who is a collector, who has many active collections going, who has perhaps a basement that is completely full of all of their collected objects. I think that has something to do with why I try not to have too many collections going and why as a child, like a lot of my collections that I had, like, so at the beginning, we didn't talk about my doll collection because it's not something I'm actively collecting anymore, but I still have it. But a lot of my collections come from my childhood because I grew up with a collector as a mother who encouraged us as children to start our own collections. And I don't know that that was great for me, but also (laughs) I seem to have in some ways broken the cycle. But, you know, I was also like, oh, if I'm going to collect Barbies, I'm not just going to like get a whole bunch of Barbies that I play with. I'm going to leave them in their boxes where no one can touch them and they will maintain their value. And they didn't. They're still all beat up and no one wants them because this was the era where... Like you said, Chris, you know, they have to be rare and they have to be scarce. And these were the collectible Barbies that, you know, and now the ones that do have the value are the ones that were cheap back then and everyone opened and played with. And those are the ones that kids remember and like, oh, I wish I had my mermaid Barbie. But everyone opened and played with the mermaid Barbies because they were really fun. Nobody opened and played with the winter princess collectible 1998 special gown designed by Bob Mackie Barbie. Those, those weren't the ones that eight-year-olds were buying, except me. Yeah, practically nothing made in the late 80s and early 90s are worth anything because yeah. that was the that was around the time that marketers realized that, oh, this collectible thing is a thing. You slap collectible, the label on the thing, and people will buy them up like crazy. This was the same era as the Beanie Baby. In- yep teeny beanies if we're talking about happy meal toys and you know everything everything was collectible and i think this was the era that kind of started um like the blind bag culture and i haven't read down the show notes i don't know if you got to blind bags in your notes here somewhere but blind i have not but those are are i mean that's basically your booster packs right yeah yeah what is a blind bag it's like oh imagine the gathering Fletcher, booster pack. You do not hang out with children <laughs> oh, enough, except okay. that it only contains one thing. Yeah, and kids buy them, and it usually is like a toy, like um the LOL surprise dolls or Shopkins 
or these things and you buy a package with a toy in it and you don't know which one is inside and you have to open it up and they've given them these arbitrary labels of like common, rare, super rare, ultra rare. And it's just getting kids to buy garbage. It's it's plastic that ends up in a landfill. Yeah, it sounds like gambling for have kids. No value. It, is. it is gambling for children. Absolutely, well, it like is. digital loot boxes are like. There's been people like politicians trying to ban them because it is gambling for kids. It's this you you're buying something and you're getting something that could be super valuable, but likely something not. It's like a slot machine. Uh, Miles mentions yeah. that they're banned in the EU. Um, you know, Rich mentions baseball cards happened in the late '80s as well. That's when. The, Actually, anything in the late 80s, early 90s for baseball cards and all those collectible cards are they're just so everywhere that you're not going to see anything that's real valuable. Um, John mentioned uh, Lego minifigs. And Mm -hmm. so I'm, you know, I've been recently I've I've stopped buying Legos because I have too many and I can't keep building them as fast as I buy them. So I'm I'm done with the buying. We play Legos every single day. So I don't regret any Mm -hmm. of my Lego stuff. But the the minifigs things is one of those things where I actively will not even think of trying to collect them. Because some of those are so crazy expensive. There's an unlimited number of them. And, you know, but that's what people collect in the Lego world is not only unopened boxes of Lego, but the minifigs inside of the Lego. And it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy how much people will pay for these types of things. And we couldn't talk about collectibles in general unless you went to other crazy things like paying for art, right? Art collectors, like, the, like a Van Gogh. I, I'm sure it looks great. I also know that I can get it online. I can get a copy that someone painted it like it's almost a perfect copy. You can get that exact thing anywhere. Well, you can get a print of it, but a print is not the same as an original oil painting. Exactly. Impasto exists. It's a thing. But um, I'm sure we can talk about fakes. But, you know, like there is there are some things that like, you know, you go art evokes emotion. And I don't know. Everyone has different tastes, but I do think there is a line where, like, someone has duct taped a banana to a wall, and we can all agree we have crossed a line. So I think Van Gogh might not be the best uh, example here, but, you know, I watched, what is it, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Banksy is making fun of us all. You know, art is a lie. Who knows anything these days in the art world, but... But I think you hit on it, right? (laughs) Art evokes emotion, and for a collector, like what they're collecting invokes that emotion as well, right? It's art is also though exclusive, and you know you can't have like that's the difference between you know the print and having the even like you know prints that are made to be prints like lithographs things like this where they're you can print one and destroy it and that only is the one that exists but then there's also artists who are like oh i did a 200 print run and they're signed but then also we made thousands more of them but if you have one of the first run 200 that are signed that one's more about like that i don't understand nearly as much because it all evokes the same emotion it's different though with like the original oil painting like when somebody was there like putting themselves into the art it's i don't know well but it's complicated (laughs) no i think we're talking now you're talking uniqueness right there is one of a kind yes um and that's certainly i i know some of our listeners listen to planet money i know you do um fletcher i know you do the planet money microface comic that they literally analyze what makes things collectible and they made a collectible yes. version of this comic with all of those things in it and they were they put it on their website before they talked about it i think they put it up there for like two thousand dollars they said this is a one-of-a-kind we're not telling you what it is but it's a one-of-a-kind thing for two thousand dollars and then they did a show talking about it and the last time i checked the bid it was like nine thousand dollars or something like that um yes because and they did they hit all of the things that made it yeah, I think it was like fifteen hundred. It's like it's one of a kind. It's rare. It's like, and they had all these like special edition things on it. It's like they use special ink. They like imbued it with like 
you know, their blood. They had like <laughs> this thing on it. They had like special <laughs> other stuff with it. Like this is the only one we'll ever make. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah. And yeah, you're right. Like they put on their website. It was like 1500 bucks. And I think they said what was special about it. Um, but like no one was that interested. Well, no, they didn't. They just said it. Nobody it was, bought I it. I think they just said it was a one of a kind item. Yeah. I think that's all they said for $1,500 and nobody bought it. And then they had the podcast and they told everybody, you know, what it contained. <laughs> and then they shot through the roof. And well, and now apparently Microface, old, like original Microface comics are now worth money too because of the Planet Money um, really? like reboot of it. Yeah, I'm looking on eBay right now and there's one here for a hundred bucks, another one here for a thousand dollars. I should have bought multiple. There were only like six bucks when I bought it. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. I just with, had to wait a year. Well, that's another thing that makes something collectible, right? Is if something becomes popular and unexpectedly popular, nobody in the world was going to be thinking that Microphase, which is, if you don't know, it's it's fantastic. Google it. But it's it's essentially There's a microphone in his helmet. His face isn't small. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a microface musical like this whole thing kind of blew up because of this podcast. And now there's an audience that wants it. It's scarce because nobody who got it said this is worth actually keeping in any way. <laughs> and it it's yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly something can become um, collectible without it, it has to be without knowing. Right. You have to be like, oh. I didn't and I know. Think that's the thing that keeps us holding on to stuff that probably isn't and will never be valuable is because it's the stuff you don't think will become valuable that might. If it has, you know, and we talked about this, the, the, the label, if it has the like, this is collectible, somebody's telling you, hold on to this, it's valuable. Like, it's probably never going to become valuable, you know, yeah. like. Put all of the plastic sleeves on your Beanie Baby tags that you want. They're not going to be worth millions of dollars ever because they're everyone who wanted them then just bought them then. And they all have their own collections of their own 90s Beanie Babies. But it's the things like, you know, those McDonald's cups the first time they did them and everyone they just did it as a one-off and no one you know, but those ones are the ones that people want now, the ones that you can't find. It's the stuff that nobody, everyone else threw theirs away, but I held on to mine. Those so, are the things that become valuable. Yeah, this particular comic, I just looked it up. Um, again, this has just been created about a, a year ago, six months ago, maybe. Um, actually, when did this end? June 3rd is when this auction ended. So we're talking, what, two months ago? Um, this is the list of things that they found that made it collectible. Or found they, they they arbitrarily put in to make this a collectible. It has an embroidered variant cover, so it's a different cover than the normal one. It's a one of a kind audio message. So when you open up the book, Microface will say something <laughs> on one of those little like greeting card chips. Um, official foil seal of Planet Money, so that you know it's real. Um, signed and numbered and authenticated piece of material used by the Planet Money to create the microface sound effect for the radio drama. So they use like a piece of material to make the sound effect. And then they took a piece of that and cut it off and signed it and numbered it and attached it to the book. So it's like this piece of thing that was there, right? It's that sentimental nostalgia thing. Um, certified burn pod used material. So they burned a piece of the original Microface comic and mixed it in with the ink that they use to ink the comic book. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't the blood. It was, yeah. it was that. <laughs> Signed original page of the pencil sketches created by the interior artist while making the comic book. So that you have to have your, you know, pencil sketches. A real page from the 1943 Clue comic about Microface. Uh, the page is the very first glimpse of Microface ever. It, this is my favorite. The AirPods that were used, which Planet Money first told the writer, Alex, the name of Microface. So they were wearing these iPods when they told him <laughs> about Microface. And then they included that into the case. And there's also a case that the whole thing fits inside. So, yeah, that's how they made a $10,000 comic for a Book. superhero called Microface. <laughs> yeah. Uh Anyways, I love collecting things. I do. I do. 
Um, so we're going to end this with talking about our significant others and what they collect. And I'm going to start with you, Fletcher. What does Carmen collect? I would say Carmen, I think Carmen would say that she doesn't collect anything. And I would say that she's wrong and she collects shoes. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what it, that's what it feels like anyway. I don't think she collects them. She just has a lot of them. I think that that actually is a collection in the same way that a board game collection is a collection. Like I have a lot of board games. Some of them I use, some of them I don't. I think a lot of shoe collections are the same way. And not I mean she has used probably most of those shoes, maybe a couple of pairs that she hasn't worn yet, but like yeah. yeah. I mean she has a lot of of shoes right. of he, different kinds. Here's for different the real occasions test. for different outfits. If you were to give her a pair of shoes, for a gift, you know, thought out. It doesn't like just, you know, any old random pair of shoes. Would she add it to her collection? Would she cherish it? Would it be like, oh, man, this is amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it was like a, a pair that she wanted or something like that, yeah. then like, yes. I would call that a collection then. But yeah, other than that, like, yeah, she doesn't seem like the collecting no, person. She's, when you said like, Sydney doesn't attach sentimental value to anything. It's like same thing to... for most things of uh um that carmen has she's just like yeah i don't care whatever like throw it away like for me i have trouble like throwing away like birthday cards yes right yeah i'm like someone wrote in this my name and wish me a happy birthday like i can't just throw them away carmen will like read it and be like oh that's nice and like right in the trash And I'm like, I can't do that. I have to hold on to it for like a little while, for like yeah. a year or two, and put it in a drawer, and then finally get rid of it. I can't. I for birthday cards, I can't go the other way. Like, I cannot just get a card and open it and like sign my name at the bottom. Um, and Sydney will do that, right? She'll get the card, and like the card says everything I want to say. I'm like, yes, you're not wrong, but it's not personal yet. So I have to like write something in there. I have to write a personal note, otherwise it doesn't count. Yeah. So, all right, Kitty. What about you? What does Spencer collect? Spencer has quite a few role-playing books. He's got all of the uh, original White Wolf books from the 90s, like late 90s. Uh, I just had to unpack those yesterday. (laughs) They're not light. Um, And he also has challenge coins from when he was in the Navy. He's got a bunch of those i think challenge Before coins planet money also made those very cool and collectible yeah <laughs> um it was a uh, 99% 99%? invisible yep. <laughs> yeah yeah challenge coins have become a bigger and bigger thing especially in the gaming industry they're kind of like overlapping too for those who don't know a challenge coin started out in the military and they would like different battalions or missions or whatever would have a challenge coin. And when someone showed you their coin, you would show them your coin. It's like, basically, Hey, this is what I have. Oh, this is what I have. They don't have to be the same thing. You're not like saying, do you have this coin? It's just like, Hey, I have this, I have that. Um, You see them a lot in the gaming industry. They're not called challenge coins. They're usually called like a unique coin or a unique token or something like that. Um, but yeah, I have a few of those too that are, they're just kind of fun to collect. They're usually inch and a half to two inches big. And yeah, so um, when he was in the Navy, they, um, like people of a high enough rank would get their own that they could like hand out to people when you met like a, a very high ranking officer. Yeah, they Michael mentions that challenge coin that they would it, hand out that it goes by rank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so I find those, that's a cool thing. Um, I would not say he doesn't like collect guns or anything like that. I think you guys have, like, he has his hunting guns, right? But it's not like a collection yeah, or anything. It's not a, yeah. no. Yeah. I've, I have known people who have like collections of guns to the point where yes. like they'll, it, it's an armory. Right? I have friends who, well, <laughs> yeah. I, Spencer has friends <laughs> yeah. who have gun collections. I am not as big a fan of that kind of collection. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, there are lots of collections out there. Um, my brother also used to collect knives, much like Fletcher. Um, like I said, my mom collects a lot of antiques. She has a set of the original Nancy Drew books that she has been trying to complete for years um so yeah lots of collecting going on in my family john mentions that whoever has the highest ranked officer coin doesn't buy drinks for the night is is like the challenge coin um i've always wanted to do a coin for tgt but again i'm not that 
great at making coins and <laughs> I don't know what I would do with it. So, um, but yeah, so, and I mentioned Sydney, she is currently collecting playbills, which are, which I don't think she ever did before, but one of our traditions is for, I think, birthday and Christmas, sometimes well, this year was a little weird, but mostly birthday and Christmas. <laughs> um, she'll get me tickets to a play or a, usually a musical or something because I like Broadway musicals. And she's been collecting the playbills from those, which I think is super, super cool. But she doesn't collect anything else that I know of. She has a few trinkets that I've given her um, or she's gotten that she like keeps, but it's not like a collection of things. Um, but for the most part, yeah, like... She has no, there's no sentimental attachment to cards and paper when, um, you know, when Zachary started bringing home like, quote unquote, art projects from daycare that were basically scribbles on a piece of paper. She's like, we can just throw all this stuff out, right? I'm like, that's that's our child's first art. No, of course we can't do that. So now they're sitting in a box in our basement. That's macaroni art. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I keep some, but they just make such, such a volume of it. You can't yes. hold on to it all. There's just too much. There's too much. Um, actually, Christopher just said something that made me uh, remember. Um, this is kind of sort of related. Board game arena stats. Or not board game arena stats, but just board game stats. You know, collecting, mm-hmm. like taking, recording everything you're doing in a particular thing. It's a form of collecting, right? You're collecting plays. You're collecting um, data, really. And that can be very satisfying. I've always wanted to do that, but it's just a whole lot of work. Sydney probably collects so much data. Her and Spencer and their spreadsheets. Uh, She likes to manage things. So like she does does resell right now. And one of her most favorite things is just managing the inventory. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, she just loves doing that. I wouldn't call that a collection because she has no intent of keeping anything. Everything she gets, she's like, no, 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 this is inventory. This needs to go out. But it is certainly a hobby. <laughs> but it is certainly a hobby. Yeah. Like I like I like um I like budgeting. I know it's weird, but it's like, yes. I sit down. I, I love like Oh my gosh. You can budgeting. join uh Spencer and Sydney's spreadsheet, <laughs> spreadsheet podcast. Spreadsheet podcast, yeah. Eventually coming. <laughs> I have never it's met so someone who enjoys budgeting as much as my husband. So Maybe that's oh, why Chris so keeps getting you too confused. <laughs> I I am an anti budgeter. I, I've never been able to do it at any income level. I cannot budget. I just simply can't. Um, but I blame my childhood. I was never raised to know what money was and <sighs> all this stuff. We can go back and blame our parents. But on that note, <laughs> so that's our episode on collecting. Yes, I have a problem. I don't know if, if we came like to any conclusions except that Chris is good at collecting. Um, we, we (laughs) came to no conclusions and I don't think you really can. If you're a collector, (laughs) yeah, if you're a collector, you know why you collect things, you know, that you like this, that, or whatever. And there is a spectrum. If you're not a collector and you don't understand why people collect things, just understand that you are also on a spectrum and it's a spectrum from heartless to, you know, semi heartless. (laughs) You got to have sentimental value in things. I promise. But... (laughs) On that note, though, Kitty, take us out before I insult the other 66% of our listeners again. Although I think we Tabletop. do kind of teeter towards more collectors than not. <laughs> <laughs> Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights, 830 Central. Or Kitty, I'm going to make Discord. you stop right now because I just forgot to talk about TGTCon, which is happening in a week and a half. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was TGT-Con. trying to talk through a sneeze. <laughs> Oh, now, you, now you can sneeze. Um, so TGTCon is happening in a week and a half. Um, August 27 and 8, 6 and 7. That's Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So Do I need to send you the link? I'm, I'm just, you know, you guys aren't helping me out, though. Um, hold on. Yeah, because my phone just died in it's, my hand. It's Saturday it and Sunday. <laughs> 27, 28, um, which is a week and a half-ish from now. There will be a list of games going live on the Discord. I'm going to put a link in our Discord, um, which will be a Google Sheet. And then you can basically sign up from that list of games. Um, There will be a whole bunch. I'm going to just 
There's going to be a ton and ton of stuff. So if you want to play, sign up so I know that the table is going to kick off. Each table will have a minimum and maximum, obviously. Um, and we're just going to have a ton of stuff and have people sign up. I have a number of people volunteering to run certain games. Those games will have teachers. Um, I will mark those, the ones that will have teachers, the ones that won't have teachers. Obviously, BGA is going to handle all the fiddly bits for you, but you'll want to watch you know, a basic video. All of these are going to be real time. Uh, there will be a Discord channel so that you can chat with your fellow players um, or at least listen to them chat. Discord is super simple if you haven't gotten discord just it's it is super simple um and chatting on discord is very simple you can just plug in any microphone to any device and you can talk and listen and it's easy to do um it is scary though the first few times i talked on discord with strangers it's not comfortable so until it is but um you also don't have to talk to anybody you can just play a game in real time and and sit in silence but that's just talking with strangers. That's just talking with strangers. <laughs> I'm not good at talking with strangers in general. Yeah, I get a little bit you know, anxious anytime I have to talk to strangers. Um, so yeah, so come to Discord and join us. If you are on the fence or don't know, or you have a friend who, or a significant other or a roommate or something that definitely doesn't want to sign up for Discord, um, and that's fine. Um, as long as they can reference someone who is on Discord bring them along so um we had someone reach out and said hey my wife doesn't really want to get on discord um can she still join yes as long as i know how to get a hold of you and you have a way of communicating 100 percent. you will still need a bga account to play the games um but otherwise yes um and yeah uh getty mentions that people can join discord and just listen so you don't have to you know plug in anything there um we should have a fair number of games going constantly. We will have a couple panels. One of them will be Saturday morning, 11 central time, uh, where we'll talk about board game arena and some tips and tricks and things like that um, to get around board game arena, take questions. Um, so that'll be fun. And we may have a couple little mini tournaments that'll run in a small time frame. I'll also add some turn-based games that will be large, like there'll be railroading probably going on all the time or um, next station London. We'll probably use roll and rights as a filler game. So that can be like on the side between games or throughout the day, but they will have still have a time limit on them. So you'll still have to finish within the day, but you won't have to be playing in real time. If that makes sense. Um, all right. What am I missing? Fletcher, Kitty, you guys have promised to be there all day, every day. I mean, for the, um, the two whole days, yes. <laughs> Besides when I need to eat, I mean, Besides, I do other bodily functions. Yes, there'll be eating, uh, eating breaks and stuff. Um, everything will be within hours, so like they'll start on the hour. Um, most things will probably finish up before they're allotted time. So there'll be plenty of time for breaks, and I don't think anyone's going to penalize you if you run out of time on a real-time turn and you had to go deal with something. Um, that's why we're doing voice chat, so people know what's going on, right? So, um, Michael says he's still waiting for the second video on YouTube. I've made a list of instructional videos I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if this was pre-podcast or during podcast, but I blame work. It's been crazy busy the past couple months, actually. Um, and it will be crazy through this month as well. But hopefully, getting closer to the holidays. You've been busy? I thought you didn't even work at all anymore. I wish. I really do. This These things come in like... <laughs> you know, spurts and I don't know, whatever the phrase is. Sometimes it's Fits and starts. That's the one. Um, it's been fitting for a while now. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's TGT con show up and yeah, I'm going to be playing games all day long. I've already decided I'm going to be playing Western Great Western trail every single minute of the day. So it's, <laughs> it's on there. Um, all right. Now kitty, you can take us out. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights at 8.30 Central or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in our show notes. You can also email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. 
Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gifted Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Timothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Leanne, Ver- Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, Richard Yossi, Token Fan Forever, Michael Finley, Stephen Falcon, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan C., Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Slander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly. And thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us, past, present, and of course, future. Um, until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So I forgot to mention the cash prizes, but I'm sure people know about those, right? I mean, let it be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> at this at this point, there's pretty good odds that um, you know you're going to walk away with some money. And yeah, I'm I need to check out to see if I can play multiple real time games at once because I think I'm going to have to be playing at least two at a time. But I might be able to do it two at a time. Yeah, if I'm playing Great Western Trail all day long, the only way I'm going to get other games in is to play two at a time. (laughs) Okay.